Hello and welcome to this extraordinarily special edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. This week we are going to be discussing the new film on Netflix, also in theaters, directed and written by Adam McKay, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, Kate Blanchett, Rob Morgan, Jonah Hill, Mark Rylance, Tyler Perry, Timothy Chalamet, Ron Perlman, Ariana Grande, Himesh Patel, Melanie Linsky, Michael Chiklis, and everybody else you can possibly imagine. That's right, it is Don't Look Up. And we are especially excited because after our discussion of the film, we are going to be joined by a crew member on Don't Look Up for an exclusive interview from the locations department. That's right. One Jeremy Shut It Down Fisk is here with us. Very special. We're happy to have him. Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. I'm pretty excited myself seeing how I've worked on movies for like 12, 14 years. And I mean, big, big movies with big stars, and this is the first of those movies that we actually reviewed on the Get Your Film Fix podcast. Yeah, which is funny. It's just sort of fallen that way. We've certainly well, talked you can also about say, a lot of movies. You can that... also say it's because most all those movies I've worked on <laughs> were not very good. Even the ones that we were like, oh, that has potential, were yeah. not very good. But this one with the star power and the director and... Uh, just Leonardo DiCaprio's name. I don't think we've missed one of his movies on this podcast. So <clears throat> I just I just latched myself to him, and I said, "Well, they're obviously yeah, going to review." Starting with Shutter Island. Yep. Yep. Uh, they're obviously going to review um, any Leo <laughs> movie. So this is right. my this is my shot. This is not real. This is not real. This is not real. This isn't happening. Uh, tell me this isn't really happening. I hear there's uh, something you don't like the looks of. We discovered a very large comet. Oh, good for you. It's headed directly towards Earth. This comet is what we call a planet killer. At this exact moment, I say we sit tight and assess. Sit tight and assess? Sit tight. And then assess. The sit tight part comes first, then you gotta digest it. That's the assessment period. This is the worst news in the history of humanity. He just blew us off. What are we gonna do? We have to release the information. So we just leak it. Our guests today have made a pretty big discovery in space. How big is this thing going? I can't destroy my ex-wife's house. Is that possible? <laughs> There's a 100% chance that we're all going to die. Okay. All right. So. This is exciting, guys. Obviously, we have talked about this movie a lot. This was one of the first movies back from the pandemic. Jeremy worked on it in the locations department. He had a lot of things to say about production in a COVID world. And I'm sure we'll touch on a lot of those things. Jeremy, I would love to get insights on the production now that we've seen the movie as we go through this conversation. Mm. But let's, of course... um, separate ourselves from that to begin with and review this movie as the get your film fix critics that's what people are here to here to find out and i want to start they they actually want the celebrity gossip well yeah actually yeah that should we just make this what that make that what this podcast is yeah yeah Yeah. i I bet it would do a lot better (laughs) okay well that's a that's a good thought um I don't have a question so much as a discussion I'd like to kick this off with, guys. And it is the very, very fine line between what I would argue is perhaps the highest form of wit in satire and the lowest form of wit in parody. And I'm wondering if you guys have like something specific that separates the two. Um how you feel about the two and like what happens when one maybe kind of teeters that line goes back and forth between the two and if you have certain movies uh, as examples or if you want to just dive into don't look up as you're an example feel free but i'm i think that's a good place to start with this movie yeah um so i very rarely 
read the whole scripts of the movies I work on. I read what I have to. I find out what my locations are. I go to that part of it, and I, I go, okay, that makes sense. That's why we're filming that. Think of how I, good those movies could have been if you had read the whole script. Yeah. Well, and, and given notes. Yeah. But this, this movie, I had no problem. I read it straight through, and I thought it was brilliant. And it, like, immediately came to me. Just I could feel... I could feel the the way the actors were going to portray this in uh in the dialogue in the cadence of how this movie was written uh i didn't know who was going to be who when i uh when i read it um and and then over time there were some people you could just hear their voice and i'm like okay well he jonah hill is definitely playing this character for example like you can hear it in their voice um but there is and and I could say this a hundred percent while reading the script, while making the movie, uh, there's nothing subtle about this film. And when there's no subtlety, it becomes it becomes a lot more dangerous to pull off. But I I had real faith that McKay, if anybody could, that he could do it. Um, and like when people tried to, you know ask me what it was about or, or or to give sort of a a reference point i would always say it's it's in the vein of a doctor strange love another mm. movie that's not subtle at all about what it's trying to say but it still works because the performances are so good the comedy's so good and the allegory in which it's uh, portraying is is so accurate that it's hard not to feel emotionally drawn to that movie um you know and and i i guess i'll let chapin answer first before i give away whether or not i felt don't look up pulled off the same thing well would you say that the lack of subtlety is what leans this type of movie into parody as no, opposed I don't, to satire? No, not necessarily. I mean, would you call Doctor Strangelove a parody? No. No, that's certainly a satire. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I think the difference here, without getting too much into it, is the real-life figures that we see every day being satirized or parodied. I think that's that's the tricky thing with mm-hmm. a movie like this. But go on, Chapin. Well, yeah, I guess, I guess when I think of parody, I guess it is the lowest form um maybe but i I think of a movie like airplane or naked gun Mm -hmm. you know these are movies that are absurd and they are heightened to be you know make fun of what i you know really like a genre of film or a type of film i don't i don't think there's much parody in in this film i think it i think it does lean more satire maybe the two are more connected than we imagined but I think this film is based solely on satire. I mean, it's it's satirizing, and and maybe you know what? Maybe the difference is parody is ha, has the focus of like a film genre or maybe even like a an individual, but satire that focuses like society or something broader that we all can relate to, and um, so that's how I would define it. And and um, I'll, I'll make a note of this. Um, Lee said this is one of the first movies back in, during the pandemic. This <clears throat> this movie was supposed to happen pre-pandemic. It was going to be uh it was going to be uh I don't know how long were we off, you know, 6 months earlier that we were supposed to to make this film. Hmm. And then obviously everything shut down. With the same uh, cast and everything? Yeah, with the very no, not the entirety of the same cast, but I, I know Leo was on board, um, and I believe Jennifer Lawrence was. I think because it was one of the first post-pandemic movies, everybody else happened to be available. Yeah, and uh, McKay was able to snatch them up. But uh, the reason I'm saying that to your question is, you could easily this could easily just could easily be an allegory of COVID just as well as it mm-hmm. can global warming. So what totally. does that say to... It, it, it's almost more accurate now in our landscape than it would have been had it had the pandemic never happened and it came out. So... Well, and you, you read the script, and I don't know when you did, but 
Could you, were there, do you know if there were changes made in regards to there how was the pandemic? Ever, I mean, unfolded? from when I read the script, obviously it was, we, we had just, you know, experienced the first six months of the pandemic and I read the script. So maybe there were, I had not read the script previous. There were scripts out there. Um, actually, that is not true. That's not true. I was given the script. I was given the script by one of my coworkers from the original um, when we were supposed to start it. So n- not much changed, no. Mm. Well, and obviously the the things that are being satirized in this movie have gotten even have gotten more and more heightened since the production to now when it's released. So I think if it's only become more and more topical, which we can discuss too about the effectiveness of that and whether or not that works in its favor or to its detriment. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know what else to do other than to kind of dive in. Jeremy, I'd love to hear your initial thoughts on this movie. I honestly really loved it, and I thought it worked. I mean, I think the only thing that didn't work, and I think Chapin probably can agree with this, um, I think the cinematography was all wrong for the film it was making. I got over it about halfway through, but I didn't like it in the trailer. I don't like those like sort of weird, shaky close-ups of legs and like eyeballs. Like it's a... Uh, um, a Paul Greengrass movie when it is one of the funnier movies of the year. I mean, I think a steadier hand behind the camera would have really helped uh, work, make this work better than, than that sort of look. And I know that that's kind of McKay's thing, like done in the past, but it, I really felt it didn't fit the tone of this movie. But... That being said, again, it wasn't subtle, but I thought it was extremely effective and by the end, emotionally riveting. And I felt for these characters by by the end of this movie. Um, Apparently, you know, there was there's critics to disagree. And I'm very curious to hear what you guys say. Jeremy, are we allowed to talk about cinematographers in depth? Here? Yeah, yeah, but first I want to hear your overall views, and then you can kind of tell me about what that okay. aspect. I also loved it. I thought it was incredible, um, and it it was like exactly what I needed at that moment. It was funny. I thought, I mean, I, I think these films are, to Lee's question, it's hard to go from satire, you know, all-out kind of Doctor Strangelove-esque absurdity to a meaningful conclusion but i i felt this the ending of this film not to jump ahead but was just moving from a dramatic standpoint and um i i i thought this movie was insightful i thought it was pitch perfect in tone um you know we we sort of so, so damn accurate it was scary we sort of I think we all had a problem with that on Vice, right? Like it kind of oscillated a little bit between drama and and satire and comedy and the tone was it was inconsistent throughout, but this one it just worked so well. Um and I think I was the one who liked Vice the most out of all of us and this was just more better like a a, a better tuned piano. You know what I mean? Like it just it just nailed those beats and um it was, you know, it was on, on a pure, like, enjoyment level. It was it was just great to see all these stars sort of acting in roles we don't really see them doing all, the, all that often. I can tell Lee is, is steaming over there. No, I'm just tired, and I didn't want to have to do this on my own. I I did not like it that much. I, I, this, is my, this was my prediction. This was my prediction that Jeremy and I were going to love it, and Lee was going to hate it. I didn't yeah. like it that much. I, I, I actually, though, I agree with a lot of the things you're saying. Like, this movie, for sure, is fun. And it's certainly not subtle. And the performances are a lot of fun. Everybody's good in it. I felt like... And maybe part of this comes from just my own feelings in general. And I think that a lot of people may have this takeaway. But it's all too close, for one. Like, it's so clear what this is that it almost doesn't need to exist because it just, it is the real world. Right. But like, 
But that but, look, but that like, we don't need to get caught up in that because that's well, a personal I do want to say this. I just want to say like the point of art is like if you can um mold that feeling and what we're going through and all the confusion of it and and it down into this like 2 hour chunk uh, uh which is uh, you which is a little bit more articulate to hand somebody I feel like that is therapeutic. I can understand that. I guess what I don't think it did is really like it, it didn't do anything. It didn't bring it all in to perspective. It, the, I already had the perspective. Essentially, what this felt like to me was one big long sketch. And I didn't find it to be particularly substantive. I, I thought it was funny. And I think that every single scene was just reiterating uh, an Instagram post or a news clip or uh, a TikTok. Like, it was just that to me. And I felt like despite how much I like all the people involved in this movie and how refreshing I find it to watch the, like watch somebody basically highlight how stupid some people are in this world and in this country by not acknowledging the realities. I still don't think that was enough to make this a particularly good movie. I, I you know, I saw it in the theater and I was kind of scratching my head. I was just like, man, like I, I like this. I think I like this part. I like this part, but I wasn't totally sure. And then I watched it again on Netflix and I'm like, you know what? I actually think I dislike this movie. And Lydia was watching it with me and she kind of lost interest for the reason I brought up about just maybe it being too close. She didn't really feel like watching it. And when she asked me to recap it, my lack of interest in the recap was very telling to me. I was just like, uh, like, you know, they... They decide they're going to mine the asteroid. Everybody, I, I just it it didn't have it didn't have the the power I was hoping it would have. To me, it just felt like a sketch comedy, a two I, hour I, sketch comedy. I mean, I think it, it deserves way more credit than that um, because I did I did find it powerful. I found it powerful in the decisions that were made by the characters. I found those characters believable in the world that they occupied and in ours, which is the scary part. Um, I, I mean, I, I would give you this, Lee. If the pandemic didn't happen and this movie came out, I think it would have been even more powerful. I think the the uh, uh, since the pandemic came out and, and just the sheer um, stupidity around science since then uh, made, made it almost too on the I nose. I think that's a huge a huge piece too. But and again, I, that's that's almost not a fault of the movie. That's more a difference in what I'm bringing to it and my exhaustion with all of it right. than anything else. Well, that's so, the thing and that's what I've heard about from other people that actually love this movie is that it was disturbing they're like it was one of the better movies i saw this year but it's disturbing and i probably won't want to see it again like it was requiem for a dream uh, <laughs> you know like i've i've watched it twice and i i mean there's certain spots like i could you know just keep watching i think are, are really well done and really funny you know certain moments um but i i just i didn't have the exha- exhaustion of it that you had lee i think it worked and i liked the i liked that final scene of the movie at at leo's house with his family and jennifer lawrence and timothy chalamet who as good as he was like his storyline was just pointless i thought in this movie so i and i liked those characters but part of my thought process on bringing up the parody versus satire is that meryl streep and jonah hill and mark rylance and kate blanchett are all parodies to me that that wasn't satire. That was a Trump parody, a Kushner parody, a, a, a Steve Jobs, Zuckerberg, Bezos, whoever you want to call him, parody, a, a Laura Ingram parody. Like it was just all parody. And I thought, I thought that, Rylance was so good. <laughs> he was. I loved I don't know. his little the way the way he he portrayed that character. Is like soft spokenness. His but he funniest like line was. <laughs> 
his funniest line was when he told Meryl Streep she how she dies from like a yeah a whatever it's called and we like don't we know. don't know what it is and then they yeah. ruined that later i hated that last that absolutely i mean, i just pretend that last scene didn't well and, exist. and there's even a, a an additional scene at, at the very end of the credits yeah, which i watched I, on netflix I watched, which was, and that one also that was dumb gone. too i remember filming that one it was freezing out but that like that stuff like that's lowbrow stuff and i think i would agree with you that's with those why, last two scenes well of course and i we don't have to even include those but i think they are microcosms of a little bit of what went on here and while i brought up that parody being the lowest form of wit is is tricky being right next to satire and i steal the parody lowest form of wit from david brent but satire is is i don't even think arguably but is in fact the hardest type of comedy to successfully execute and I think the the scenario is satire, and it's probably successful. But when you sprinkle all of these parody-like characters, caricatures into this movie that are so much a part of our popular culture and day-to-day life, but that's it's not saying, much more than an SNL skit to me. But that's the no, satire that's parody. You need you need those characters because they are. I mean, you can't turn on the news and tell me that they're not even uh, parodies of themselves at this point. They are. So, 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 so how do you get away from from doing it sort of accurately? To and me, think, what is the difference between Mark Rylance in this and somebody playing a Bezos or Zuckerberg or something on SNL? Like that was kind of the oh, problem I, I had with it. It's a huge the same difference. I sort think of a... overly exaggerated type of uh, performance and writing. In those no, characters, I think and, he gives a. I think he gives a great performance in this. Oh, whereas I don't think anyone who's playing a, a Bezos on SNL is giving. And the other, what's the great big about his performance? The way he talks. Yeah, the, the yeah, his mannerisms, the way he talks, the way he's decided to to interact with the world. I mean, Look, these are all decisions that he made they are, as a and great he is actor. Good, and everybody is good in this. Everybody is good in it. There's not a sing. Ariana Grande is good in this. Like. I, I I just I don't think that that's the point. I think it's more how this movie is presented to us, and I guess to me, that just didn't feel substantive. Didn't feel like it was really trying to. It, it, didn't feel like it was trying to open our eyes. This just feels like it was made for people who already agree with it. And it doesn't need to, like, I don't care about that because I don't give a shit about the people who don't. They can all fuck off and die. But the... That wasn't very subtle. <laughs> it's appropriate yeah. for this podcast. <clears throat> but I think something like The Big Short and even Vice, to a certain extent, taught us something. Like, we learned something from those movies. It introduced us to something in a very accessible way. We're here... I don't like, I'm not going to compare them, but just because they're Adam McKay movies, this is closer to his work with Will Ferrell, his Anchorman, Step Brothers type of thing. Because it's just like big moments, like very obvious things that you can laugh at. And there's subtlety to some of the humor too. I'm not directly comparing the two, but it is closer to that type of movie than it, I think it is. But to you say big moments. Premature. I mean, the, the premise is a big moment. The premise doesn't try to hide behind it, the fact that it's not. That's it, like tries to scream at the world. Okay, but what's this it movie is a trying big to moment. say? Why aren't, we, why aren't we paying attention? And it's trying to say that no matter how big and like uh, clear and significant a moment can be we're gonna fuck it up and politicize it and figure out a way to uh blur those lines and make it confusing for no reason and not help ourselves and i think it clearly shows that in a way that you could probably you know show somebody and they'd be like oh yeah i don't get why they didn't believe in that meteor okay well, so meanwhile while that person probably doesn't have any vaccinations this might be an amazing movie for like the aliens that come down. But to me, it's even more fascinating that this was written before the pandemic because we just lived it. Like we just lived. A, well, that's that's like, pretty impressive then. It is, but it doesn't. It, it To me, that's why it's not impressive because I just lived through this shit and I'm still living through it. But it and sounds like, like the people that didn't like it, it's more of an exhaustion thing than it was uh, a problem with the movie. But I think the problem is that it doesn't offer up a solution. An, no, it doesn't offer up an option for the people who are exhausted of it. it. That's what makes it a sketch is it's just basically 
recreating what's happening instead of giving us something like more substantive or more interesting to examine in this movie. There's not anything that is like, what can we, what, what is below the surface of this situation that we can look at, you know, but with you our critics hats you on. can't really go below the surface of the situation when nobody believes the above the surface of the situation. And that's where the, the movie, the brilliance of the movie, but let's uh, let Chapin chime in here. <clears throat> Thank you. Yeah, I, I yeah I disagree, Lee. I think there is a lot. I mean, to me, the the substance of the movie is what happens to these individuals when they when these extraordinary things happen to them. Like you know, Leo and and Jennifer Lawrence are two scientists who, you know, are the only ones who believe in the end of the world and want to convince everybody that this is happening and that something needs to be done. And you know, in that process, Leo you know has it carries out an affair with a ridiculous looking. Uh, anchor woman from a Fox news type TV show and gets caught, you know, caught up with the trolls on Twitter and, you know, kind of has his own goes on like the Sesame street. Yeah. He has a sort of moment of vanity and, you know, Jennifer Lawrence like can't let go that the general charge. I think is really funny. And and it's like these like human nature moments where, and and it's sort of, I think there is insight into, into this, which is that, even the best of us, even the scientists who are, you know, finding are, are trying to be the the saviors of the world, you know, get caught up in petty shit, which okay, most sure. other people do. And 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 it's a, it's so politicized, as we know, um, you know, c- climate change has become and it. It's just, you know. It is perfect with COVID because it's just like, it's crazy how we've gotten to this point now. I mean, we thought we could get rid of the, you know, to me, the big takeaway from the, from the pandemic is that we didn't like, nobody knows anything. Like we've got scientists three years later. Yeah. Here we are. We're almost like, we're, you know, there's still a ton of people unvaccinated. You know, people don't believe in this shit. They're, uh, you know, health departments. Do they know what they're doing? Does anybody know what they're doing? It's, it's chaotic and masks on masks off masks on masks off. And it, I think that feeling is captured in this movie and it is extraordinary that this was written before the pandemic. I mean, I'm sure it must have at least informed the editing, which I'd like to talk about. But uh, I, I, I think this movie taps like captures in a way that I I have never seen before. What is so fucked up about you know our our political and social and cultural situations that we can't address simple problems? Yeah, I think that's the the key to it because I've never seen, and I think that's the answer to your question, Lee. It's like I've never seen somebody be able to capture it like this before and present it to an audience. We talk about it. We have like comedy shows that try to deal with it. We 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 know there's something wrong. We we but we like we we can't grasp it. And this sort of puts it on a platter and says, "This is what's happening to us." Yeah. I mean, I guess that just in general didn't totally work for me, but I'm curious, Chapin, because you guys both really loved this movie, but there was there was something you saw that made you know I was not going to like it. I'm curious what that is. I, I, I just don't think you like this kind of humor. I, I you, do. Never, I thought this movie never... was funny. That doesn't make well, it a good movie, though. No, you're right. Um I laughed a lot in this movie both times. The, I, that's ce- what I mean. the two I think... scenes you brought up, the scene when he's arguing with the trolls on the internet was so funny. And look, maybe it's actually the lack of subtlety I didn't like because that's a subtle piece of comedy. And the same thing with Jennifer Lawrence, obsessed with the general charging him for the snacks, which is a funny concept to begin with. Like, why would he do that? And she keeps going on about it. And I found that kind of comedy to be a little bit, more successful in this movie so maybe it's just that maybe it is the lack of subtlety and the fact that it basically just took what we are living through and instead of trying to make a subtle satire out of it that's about something entirely different but an allegory for what we're going through it just made what we're going through and And to me that wasn't as good i don't think you like things that are sort of um you know 
acutely topical. Uh, well, these days I don't think I do. I mean, and I don't mean, I don't mean that's not a reference to like burying your head into the sand, which I know you also are a fan of, but I, I, I just don't think in I'm movies, doing it right now. <laughs> you don't, you don't like things that are like acutely topical. Well, here's what I have a problem with. And we've talked about it before is that things very often, uh, skate on being topical and, but here, here's the thing. I, I, I don't necessarily think this movie's topical. Oh well, what you, you gotta explain we that. I mean, it wor- it works topically, but I bet you could have you could put this movie if you if this movie came out ten years ago. I still think it would work. Well, there's two types of topical. There's there's topical and relevant. Like this movie is topical and relevant, and it could be relevant at any point in time. Um, and I think the relevancy is interesting. I think the I mean, topical is, nature of I think it this movie is, is clearly a post-Trump film. Well, I mean, yes, it like yes. it's so it, ten years ago, this wouldn't have regist- wouldn't have worked. Yeah, I but mean, it would I have think, been George think, Bush or something. It could, I think you know certain what I mean? aspects of it would have would have worked. I think most of it would have worked. The but, Trump specific stuff. Yeah, right. But I'm curious how you guys feel and take the comedy out of it. I think Jonah Hill's very funny in this movie, but how close we are to the recent history of the Trump presidency and how much it still lingers in our country. I, I, I just am tired. To me, the Trump parody, you know, the Trump administration and his family and stuff just is, it's hard to find that stuff funny anymore. Like, we know how ridiculous and how fucking stupid he is and how stupid his family is and his, you know, the people he and his family that he put in powerful positions. So to see Jonah Hill as this like goofball Jared Kushner chief of staff that, you know, gets bossed around by his mom and just tries to exert power by putting a bag over Jennifer Lawrence's head just to me is like, while he's funny and he delivers lines that are funny, I don't think that that's a funny thing. And that's why I think a lot of these characters played as, played as parody it. to me. Yeah, that's exactly it, though. We're living through climate change. We're living through the stupidity of the people who don't want to believe it, that right, don't want to, quote, unquote, look up. Like, I think that's a problem. maybe we could do something about it, though. That's the thing, is maybe we can do something about climate change or not Not if this movie, not, <laughs> not if this not movie has anything to Donald suggest. Trump. Trump or like you yeah, but know, is that what this movie's gonna do? I don't even think no, Adam McKay has that delusion. Of course not. Nobody has that delusion. But you got to try. You got to make. You got to put into your art this this what you're feeling. Yeah, and, I don't. And, I don't think. And I think that's fine. I think that's admirable. Like and and honestly, like I think that's great. And I don't. I'm not mad that this movie was made. And I and I I think that there's a lot of things that are fun about it. Now, honestly, we'll watch it probably a bunch more times because. It is like oddly cathartic to just like be in a world where I'm on the side of the smart people and I can right. laugh at the people who right. are that's stupid. A good observation. But I just don't think that's enough to really make this a great movie. I don't think that there's I don't think that there I, I don't want to call it subtlety because it's clearly not the point. This movie is in no way meant to be subtle. But I think a little bit of subtlety might have been necessary to really elevate it. But I think there is. I think there's moments where, and it might not be subtlety, but there are moments when McKay just takes a breather for a second. And there are moments that remind me a lot of the big short, for example. Um, but but there are moments when, you know, like you cut away to the surface of Saturn or something, and, and the comet is... <clears throat> shooting mm-hmm. by it or something and there there's uh, you see these uh nature clips of of animals and and you know it's not a it's not a difficult metaphor to figure out not even a metaphor it's not it's not difficult to figure out what he's saying it's like you know here we are having these pointless you know <laughs> segments on TV where we're screaming at each other and you know we're destroying this planet and the animals are going about their business as part of this ecosystem. And here we are wrapped up in our own bullshit, not, not realizing that 
Armageddon is coming and that we can stop it. And well, speaking and, of Armageddon, what really would have been more successful is if when Leo discovered that, or when Jennifer Lawrence discovered that comet, he, she goes to Leo, go get my goddamn phone book. <laughs> but <laughs> I like the idea that those cutaways have Chapin. I wish there was more of that in this movie and more of like those breathers, but I wish they w- it was more a part of the movie. Cause to me, right. What they are, are cutaways. Okay. Well, and, here's what I wanted to say, if I may. So, um, and I'm okay to talk about this, Jeremy. Yeah. Whatever you okay. need to. So, well, I don't know. I thought it might be confidential. Who the, the DP Bob Richardson is? thing. Yeah. Oh no, that was, that's, known that he was supposed okay. to be on it so i mean i i talked about this on vice i, I really do think mckay is really trying to, to channel early 90s oliver stone so oliver much that stone. he first hired his uh dp from that but but hank corwin the editor here is uh was a, a, a an additional editor on jfk cut natural born killers nixon u-turn um and his biggest collaborations after that have been with mckay and weirdly enough <laughs> Terrence Malick. Um and I think I'm a good editor. <laughs> I think McKay owes this guy a lot. Uh I think he's he channels um Mc, he channels Stone and um Malick in in I, two two filmmakers I didn't think that we would ever compare on this podcast, but I think this guy's like quite good and um Jeremy, I don't know if he was ever on set, but uh I loved I how this movie was edited and things as like obvious, but as brilliant and funny as when it like would cut away mid sentence a bunch of times. I thought that was just kind of like a smart, like, oh, we're not listening. Like we're moved. We're past that already. That's old news. Like it's, I thought that stuff worked. And, you know, I think there is some Malik here where it just like po- randomly cuts away to like animals and yeah. things like that. Well, those, and, those uh, space scenes feel very yeah tree of life. Like, um, I don't know. I mean, I have a feeling that this movie might fall apart a little bit on closer examination, but I, oh man, I was just so caught up in it. I just think I, they just had the the pacing and oh, we got to talk about the performances too. I just think yeah. like, I think this movie's also going to stand the test of time. I think when we review this in, you know, 10 more years on the podcast, uh, when it I makes think it, your top 10 of the decade. I think it's going to be, uh, I don't, I mean, I'm not I, even saying that. I, I just think it's going to stand the test of time. I think it will be a, a, a really, really interesting movie to revisit many years from now. And I don't know which direction will go. Maybe I will like it more and find it more interesting and refreshing and subtle and, you know, relevant when we're further away from everything that's happening now. When, if we're, that ever recording, happens. when we're recording this from our all our individual bunkers yeah because we've right. destroyed, we can't yeah <laughs> destroyed the planet or if, or if you guys are going to see some cracks like chapin suggested once you kind of get past the like you know this this is a refreshing watch to see this all kind of narrowed narrowed in i mean i think i we i let's talk about the performances there I, there's not a single i'll tell you right now not a single person or thing in this movie will be nominated for a fixie for me um and that's not because the performances are bad they're oh. all good they just right well i know i know coda's taking up a lot of space for you right now well, coda's a better movie than this well i disagree with that um also like a little behind the scenes of it there's there was a lot of stuff we cut that we shot that was cut on this movie um that i think could have maybe added a little bit more of those quiet moment or um rounded it out a little bit more uh but i think it was probably cut for time um, you know but there you was, know it was a, a really good scene in this movie when when they see the comet both jennifer lawrence and leo and leo like gets out of his car and he's like yelling at everybody he's like there it is there it is like and and the movie does kind of stop in that moment and everybody's kind of looking up and i thought that that was that was kind of the moments that i would have rather have had in this whole thing and it's like okay you can see it now like it's clearly happening you know we're 
California is on fire nine months out of the year. We have bigger storms than we've ever had before. Hurricane season is now six months long instead of three. Like, you can see it happening. And then we move into the next act of this movie where it's like, oh, just don't look. (laughs) And I think the idea behind that is smart, like the rest of the idea behind this movie. But you have that nice scene there followed up by a Trump rally, a Meryl Streep rally, where she's talking and then, you know, all the uh, the Orleaners. Um, this is this is Susan Orlean's sister from right. Adaptation, right? Right. Um, President Jan, uh, Janie Orlean. All the Orleaners look up and like, oh, she, they fucking lied. And now it's over the top again. And it's parodying, you know, the, the Trump supporters. And so it oscillated yeah, between those things. And I just felt like that that wasn't as great. But you guys are right. The tone is consistent. The tone works. The performances are good. It's funny. Like, those things are are good, great about this movie. But Chapin, did you like the cinematography or no? Uh, I thought it was fine. It didn't stand out to me, but um, yeah. I mean, I think the previous choice would have been. I, I don't know. I I didn't. I didn't I mean, feel Lena like Lena Sangren's a good. DP. He's definitely a great DP. I didn't feel like they really nailed his skill set on this one, but um, well, things like that and things like the lack of subtlety and like the. To me and Jeremy, I'm sure you'll argue with this because you spent so much time on it, but those types of things make the movie feel rushed to me. And oh, it was certainly not rushed. Well, I know that. But when you have like and even the circumstances with Sangren coming on, like Bob Richardson was supposed to be there, and then you bring Sangren in, what right as production's about to begin? Like I don't know, that that type of thing feels like it's going to lend to less interesting cinematography and that's not always yeah. 80s, I mean, obviously and, maybe and, there's, it did. and there's like there's a ton of visual effects there's a ton of footage cut in to look like it's you know t- like a tv broadcast uh you know it's not the per, you know there's so many cut-ins and and you know of phone screens things like that um so and this movie was i mean it was post was short when did you wrap this jeremy uh we would have still been filming it last year at this time yeah it says february yeah so we yeah. probably finished the, we finished the, the end of february yeah. yeah yeah so that's a quick turnaround that is a pretty quick turnaround um but uh we haven't talked about leo at all in this which i think i i mean i think this is a a good departure from what he normally does and i thought he was is really it? good in it yeah he's good I mean, but he I don't know. He's still sort he of like different. Angsty, he, he, like yeah, but he has. He's funny too. It's, he it's like so, really delivers. No, but it's his... so different. He just he doesn't. He's not like a. He's not screaming. He's not like yelling yeah, at people. True. He's just. He's just. His anxiety is all inside, and he that's and he's true. like trying to. He's so nice the whole time. It's just and, I thought it was and such nervous a good and awkward yeah. and nerdy. Yeah, I I really liked him too. I'll tell you, I liked all the people who weren't specifically a, a real life person. Like I liked Leo. I liked Jennifer Lawrence. I liked Chalamet. I liked Rob Morgan a lot. And I look, I liked Kate Blanchett too. I thought she was good, but like some of the more like obvious parodies or whatever you want to call them were less successful performances but leo is i mean i think he's like that's the thing i love about like i don't know new leo like post wolf of wall street like he's just so funny and that was not there in his earlier in his career as good as he was in some of those movies right and he wasn't picking roles to be funny yeah yeah not at all but um, now, you know, I feel like he he feels more comfortable picking those roles. Um, I'm but, I'm dis- I'm super disappointed that this movie's getting bad reviews. To be honest, because I, you know, as we just well, talked, it's, I it's think it really it's not that good. It's one of those. It's one of those movies that is still doing well on the awards circuit despite bad or you know middling reviews. Right. Um, you I know, mean, it's been it's been nominated for Critics Choice. Uh, Golden Globes, National Border Review, AFI, you know, so. So the thing that's 
annoying about this. And look, I didn't think this was a great movie either. So I'm more on the side of the, you know, <clears throat> mid-range Metascore. But even if you read some of the, like, little blurbs uh, from Metacritic, you can tell people's politics are influencing their review of this movie. Yeah. Which is listen, what this movie's about. L- listen to this. The Hollywood Reporter right. says, A cynical, insufferably smug satire stuffed to the gills with stars that purports to comment on political and media inattention to the climate crisis, but really just triv- trivializes. Dr. Strangelove, it ain't. Yeah. <laughs> There's another thing I re- and I don't even remember the word of it, but just like oh, essentially, my favorite, don't look up plays like the lefty answer to Armageddon. <laughs> that's what I said. That's the one I read. Yeah, it's just calling it you know you know left lefty bullshit. And if that's what your review is going to be based on, then of course you're going to give it a bad score, and that's well, going to skew you the, the meta score. And you missed the point of the movie if you're going to bring politics into it. Right, but the people who are like the the people who believe that type of thing and watch this movie are so blinded that they're not going to be able to see the point of the movie anyway because they're just going to look at it as a movie preaching at them and telling them that they're wrong and they're stupid and they're not going to realize that they actually are. I mean, that's what's and, so brilliant about this movie. Yeah, is see, exactly what you're saying. I don't think this saying. movie does that. I don't think this movie does that. I know that already. Like <sighs> I don't I don't think that this movie educates in in any way, and I disagree. I, it doesn't need to, but it would have been it would have been a much better movie if it found a way to do that. And educating the people that already believe that science is a crock is probably impossible. And right. I it, I commend McKay for giving it a try here, and like making it very blunt and obvious, and saying like, okay, well, what if climate change was a big asteroid the size of texas but lee that's not the that's not the role of satire this isn't like i mean one you're never i mean we we work on these issues at work all the time and i'm the only i'm like often the only person in the place that says don't even try don't waste your breath trying to get people to do anything they're not ever going to be on your side satire is is meant to go the other direction it's meant to um be completely absurdist to illustrate a point and that's what this movie is doing. Okay. And I think that's why it's so dangerously close to parody because... But, well, you keep saying that, like, uh, once it crosses that, you're not going to like it. But wh- Well, because it's not as smart anymore. Parody is so tricky yeah, you're to pull just off because it's simultaneously smart. No, it, so- as if, like... Pa- the reason satire is so tricky is because it has to be smart, <laughs> self-aware, relevant, and it needs to basically find find something that can appeal to a broader audience. I think which, I think it does. I think it I don't think this movie this checks movie. all the boxes. I I think it's I actually don't think it's particularly smart. I think it's funny but I th- and I think it's self-aware, but I don't think that this is an overly intelligent movie and I, I think, think that's a, a huge huge part of par- that separates parody from from satire. Is parody the is not a play an, makes it smart. Well, the scre- well, you read the screenplay. I didn't read the screen. I don't think this well, play I mean, is like even, a great screenplay. Even based on watching it, I would say. But this is this is what McKay does. I mean, like, I, I don't know. I, 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 what I, Lee, I'll give you some time to think about it. You got to tell me a good screenplay, but that does satire, right? But uh, you know, he he does he doesn't write stuff that's overly sophisticated i mean even a movie like anchorman a movie like talladega nights a movie like Step Brothers, these are sophomoric yeah but movies big short big short and vice are both smarter than this movie i don't think so i think they're just dealing with more complex they're, exactly like they're much more like, challenge they're much more okay. challenging shorting, material and so shorting <clears throat> stocks was something that's just confusing in general so if you can try to explain it's okay it. if this brand and i don't i really don't think it is lee because i don't know one mckay movie maybe the big short that you do that you are you adore i don't think you're a big fan of his which is totally fine it's it but I, it's i want to like him it's a good point i i do really like the big short um you know vice um I, I think i like better than this but i also am not entirely sure i i think i get distracted by my my frustration with christian bale's performance in that movie um Amazing performance but but uh let's go, let's go back to that old argument it's a good question about maybe maybe adam mckay's Do- movies aren't for me which i don't like the idea behind that because i get excited that he 
is, you know, this, you know, very relevant filmmaker that makes movies with a lot of people I like and stuff. But do you remember that scene in Big Short when Steve Carell's character sits down in Vegas at a sushi restaurant with that guy who sells CDOs? Yeah. And he's just like what the fuck is going on? Like that is this movie in a nutshell. It's just, it's just a bit more, it's just people completely oblivious to what they're doing and how their everyday actions that are completely influenced by their own vanity and egos is plays into the destruction of, in, the, in that case, an economic system, but in this case, the planet. So I think I would have preferred something more like that. Now, I'm not trying to change this movie. I'm just saying if you want to make a movie that tries to highlight the both the significance and the ignorance surrounding climate change, rather than doing it like this in blunt style, r- r- create some new characters, write something new, find a way to formulate that around something more subtle or you know more complex than just basically showing us an exaggerated version of what climate change looks like and i guess that's my problem with this movie and that's why i ultimately didn't like it and i found especially the second time around that it was already feeling dull and feeling less important because i i disliked it more the second time than i did the first time had had i not rewatched it i'd probably be you know more if we're you know, assigning meta scores, I'd probably be in like the 70 range. And now I'm probably closer to that 50 range that it, that it has on Metacritic. Like it's not a bad movie. I liked a lot about it. I think it's for sure funny. Like I said, I'm going to keep watching it. Yeah. I just think this movie is able to pull off the impossible really. And, um, be, be able to get across these concepts of the world we're living in, in a way that's entertaining accurate emotional as we were talking about with that final scene uh where at leo's house what did you think Uh, of that lee i liked that scene a lot actually that was one of the more like here's a human moment in this movie that feels real like here's what what these people know what's happening what would you do in that moment and there's some really nice moments like you just kind of see these quick cutaways of of leo holding his wife's hand and just kind of like looking at her and you kind of see in Jennifer Lawrence's eyes, like her fear. And I just thought that was, that was a great scene. I really, really th- wish more of the movie s- was, was serious like that, I guess. Like every, every scene, even the serious ones, because you're surrounded by such outrageous characters, crescendos into like these like big outrageous moments, like on the, on the news show with Jennifer Lawrence or with Leo, they both explode on that show when they're trying to explain serious things. And I get it. Like it's all there to kind of express a frustration, but I don't think this movie is, I, I just don't think this movie is that smart. Like, I really don't think it, it prove it. I don't think it shows any really like high brow intelligence. It, it's clear in its intent and, arguably successful in it because it doesn't want to be subtle at all but what's smart about this movie big picture wise there's some clever things i think what's smart about it is it doesn't hide behind it it shows the it shows the uh, ludicrousness is that a word sure ludicrousness of our current situation while while not getting lost in the weeds, showing you how we get lost in the weeds, I think, is what makes it smart. By doing something something so grand as and, and a, a trope in movies we've seen for years, an asteroid going to hit the planet. Let's make it just absolutely clear. And then it shows you from there that clear thing, that clear, distinct thing, how we as a nation specifically, not necessarily as a planet, but as a nation can get lost in the weeds and lose sight of something so obvious. And I think that's what's so smart about this movie. So I guess what's tricky is, (laughs) let's see if I can articulate this, is like, 
the reason I have a hard time finding that smart is because the reason we get lost on topics like this in real life is because people follow stupid leads. But it shows that. So it's, it does, it's, but... That's not lost on this movie. That's part I know of it's, it. I know, but that to me is not... That to me is not making it a smart movie. Like, that's just showing that a stupid Trump-like president played by Meryl Streep is going to say, we're going to sit back and assess, and then the people that like her follow her lead. Like... That's just stupidity, and you don't need a movie to show us that the reason we are in dire circumstances in this world is because people are stupid. That's not that's not a smart screenplay to me. Like, I guess that's part of the problem is maybe it's just all, like I said at the beginning, it's just all too close. It's all too topical or relevant that it just makes it less interesting. All right, well... Agree to disagree. Why don't you just take down the one movie I worked on that we talk about in the podcast? I didn't want to. Just, I'm uh, sorry. Ruin ruin it for all our listeners. So while I, while you have me here, any behind the scenes? It's not uh, going to win a fix. It's not going to win the fixie. It might. It's not because be even two if against even, one. Yeah, the best, it, most it could get is is twenty points. Because it, yeah. it won't it won't even be in my top ten. It's gonna. You're you're not going to vote for it out of spite. No, it just. I'm not going to vote for it because it's not that good. Um, well, if listeners don't remember, this this movie is where Jeremy Don't Look Up Fisk was born. Shut, shut it down. Um, don't Look Up. Yeah, shut it down. Sorry. Don't Look Up <laughs> Jeremy, is the guy. Shut this is the guy who doesn't like the movie, people. Jeremy Shut It Down Fisk was born. Um, mm. Which scene was that, Jeremy? What happened? Talk us through that again. What yeah, happened? So it was the scene. Um, there was, uh, you know, everyone realized that the bash uh, drones didn't work, and there's nothing. You know, we had people had hours left to live, uh, and Kate Blanchett and uh, Tyler Perry were in the bar, and they're just like, "What do we do? Should we, should we have sex?" And she's just like, "Let's get drunk." And that was that was the scene, and out, outside people were rioting and uh, looting and breaking shit. Um, and uh, this was right, this was right after this was the day of of uh, Joe Biden's inauguration, actually, um, which was shortly after the January sixth um, riot on the Capitol. So the police were extra cautious that day that something bad was going to happen. And <laughs> and they're like, let's shoot the riot scene. And then, of course, they want to shoot this riot scene outside. And the police were like, no, we, we, we just we don't. And this is like, keep in mind, right next to the Boston Public Library, right next to where the marathon bombing went off. All well, these and that's also, if people haven't seen the movie, the scene... Mm. Is inside. Never inside. goes outside. <laughs> you just see this stuff happening. <laughs> yeah, and what barely, the, big, yeah. the big argument was they really wanted police, uh, the blue lights and sirens to go by the windows. And again, the windows are too high, so you're only going to see the lights. Like, Can you do that in post? They could have done it in post. I'm sure everything else is done in post. But there was a big argument. And then, <clears throat> lo and behold, there was a uh, march right down the street into Copley that was going to end at the steps of the Boston Public Library. And uh, I'm texting with the lieutenant of police who is, um, you know, my connection to, to, to Boston Police Department. And he's like basically telling me, hey, uh, we got to get your lifts to shut down. Like, you know, we have these giant lights on lifts. I love and- how this is all done through text. Yeah, and he's texting me, and he's like, all right, so the riot's like two blocks away, coming down here. He's like, I can see that you still have your lights on. I'm like, how do you? He's like, I got cameras everywhere. So, Well, Mark Wahlberg knows where all those cameras yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, he's obviously He was probably smart. there telling him. He's just like, go to go to the camera outside of uh, Olympia Sports. So eventually I had to get on walkie and tell the electrics to sh- shut off the thing, and then the, po- the producers come down, and they're like, what are we doing? I'm like, shh. Shut it down! <laughs> Shut it down! And then the the march finally comes, and it's like twelve people. But and then I, every by then everybody was like, "Shut it down! Yeah. Shut it down!" And Jeremy like, Thank was. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You saved us. No, yeah. they, they were no like, oh, you, "You overreacted. Turn the lights <laughs> back on." <laughs> yeah. 
was like, no sweat anytime. Say la vie. Then, yeah, then Jeremy started wearing and distributing hats, red hats that said shut <laughs> yeah. it down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so there was that scene for sure. Yeah. We actually had filmed two more scenes outside that hotel that got cut. Fucking pain in the ass. So, so what location. was the... You, you had a big location that I think was like an office building that you managed, as I recall. What was that supposed to be? NASA, it's maybe? Like, nope. Oh, there was that quick... There, Yeah, yeah, there was the NASA building, you're right. Um, when he walks in uh, from outside in the rain, that, that whole thing, there was that big, uh, giant, what is it called, spaceship, I guess, The in in there that wasn't there in real life. That was CGI. Oh, so, there we go. Little now, what about bit. the scene with at the, the post-credit scene when you see Meryl Streep's butt? Um, uh, yeah. What was it? So what you found that planet? Yeah, was that I your had, location? That was my location. Yeah, I had to get get Bezos involved. He was not happy. Mm-mm. Yeah, so, you went on you went on the Blue Origin to find it. Um, yeah, I mean, it was uh, the weirdest part of shooting that movie was just the strict strict COVID times. I mean, we where here we are with a crew of you know two hundred and fifty when regulations are like you can put fifteen people in in a stadium. You know, and it was yeah. really about getting around that stuff when nobody else can. I mean, you guys remember the tweets like Leo's trying, like we were filming at South Station, and of course oh, he doesn't yeah. have his mask on because he's filming the fucking scene, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, Leo coming to Boston, not wearing your mask." Yeah, I can't go to a <laughs> restaurant. I can't go to the restaurant, and Leo's over here without a mask. It's Hollywood elite. <laughs> it was a lot, a lot of that. And I mean, we we did not like scale down that much. I mean, that scene where Meryl Streep is is giving her big speech that was actually at the um, what is it called now? The Worcester oh, Centrum, the DCU Center, DCU yeah. Center. Yeah, um, it's always going to be the Centrum. To yeah, me. And, for all um, our Worcester listeners. <laughs> and that was scaled down. There was like only a hundred people there, but it, it was wild what we. Uh, what we somehow i'm not sure how we did it but we were able to we had to like present all these covid plans and how we were keeping people safe and getting tested you know three to five times a week depending on who you were it was it was so the, weird the budget, wild time the budget on wikipedia is then completely off one would imagine oh a hundred percent i mean the covid <laughs> the covid budget itself what does it probably say like 40 million 75 million <laughs> yeah leo i don't know what he makes 20 so I love how so we were talking about the Spider-Man box office last week. Obviously, it's it's doing it's already made over a billion dollars worldwide. And I know this is a Netflix movie. It was released in like a handful of theaters, Jape, and you couldn't even find a theater near you playing it. But it's just funny to look at the difference. This has grossed six hundred and seventy thousand yeah, dollars. Well, Don't look up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's the number one film viewed film on Netflix. So I'm sure. Yeah, I don't know, guys. I was disappointed. I'm sorry. Wanted yeah. to like it a lot more. It's okay. I, I hope, mean, you're, I hope you're I... obviously, I think there's something going on with your tastes as of late, but hopefully they'll align in time for the fixies. No, I think that you guys are going to come down on this movie. Maybe, time. but I'm definitely not going to come up on Coda. So, um, Well, that's fine. Well, I, mean, I, I don't... I think I'll probably come down on Coda. I told yeah, you that before. I, mean, I think we'll sure. probably meet in the middle, but... Um, Right think, where Don't Look Up is. I think uh, it's got a lot going for it, but it's ultimately, I think, I hope I, I hope I made my points well. You can email us. Let us know your thoughts. Yeah, we'd or love to talk hear to from Chapin. people. It seems like I most people just talk to Chapin. I have a feeling this movie is going to be divisive. It's, I mean, it certainly is on, among critics. What's it have on a so 7.3 user rating? I guess that is sort of... is is useless as we find that in terms of what movies we should see it is a pretty good indicator of what the general public thinks i can't i i can't remember a movie that the last movie we watched that i really really liked like this that had such a low sort of critic yeah that's a good score. point it's been a while but people just don't get it you know it's too smart too sophisticated yeah it's like that a shot at me just like, yeah. you know, the general public just doesn't get these type of things. It's not exactly. sophisticated at all. 
see what we mean. Want <sighs> force trauma? That's not sophisticated. I need some backup. I need find somebody. Find somebody that can. Somebody find somebody. Well, I don't know. Nobody I know listens to this podcast. Somebody find somebody. That's what, yeah, that's the people that don't like this movie. I need need to find, I'm going to go talk to more people that agree with me. Lee wouldn't wouldn't say uh, pause and assess or whatever she says. He'd say, find somebody somebody that agrees with me. Find somebody that agrees with me. I'm only interested in hearing their perspective. Uh, okay, well, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I've been Lee Carlo episode. with Jeremy Fisk and Chapin Hemingway. We're going to be back straight away in just a couple days with what has got to be our most anticipated movie of the year. I don't care who worked on Don't Look Up. It is Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza. I saw it yesterday. Guys, I believe you will be seeing it tomorrow, and we will be recording Thursday right before the new year. It's a very exciting way to finish off what's been yet uh, another consecutively horrible, horrible year. So, um, well, how if we don't I get, have to uh, get three podcasts out before the end of the year? Well, Jesus. I was going to say, if we don't get Licorice Pizza out before the new year, we'll wish everybody a happy new year on this one um, and hope for better things in 2023. I, I said after 2021, it can't get worse, but it did. In 2023? Or 2022, sorry. I said Jeez, after. We already skipping 2022. Time's a flat circle, man. I have, there's no concept anymore. After 2020, we figured it couldn't get worse. 2021 proved us wrong. Um, it got much worse. And then uh, we roll into 2022 with uh, no light at the end of the tunnel. So, so there you go. Enjoy. <laughs> Happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs> I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee.